Hi everyone and a huge welcome back to the Dedicate podcast. I'm your host Kate Ivey. Today I am chatting to Charlotte Bell. Charlotte lives around an hour from me near Kura. We have spent time together at kids swimming lessons and have mutual friends so it's awesome to get to know Charlotte even more today. Our main topic today is IVF and living rurally. IVF is hard enough as it is and Charlotte opens our eyes to just how tough it is when living rurally and ours from the nearest IVF facility. Charlotte also shares the ins and outs of her new business, The Clip Woolen Coats. This is a great episode. Thank you so much for your time, Charlotte. Enjoy. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Nice coat. Oh, very nice, isn't it? Where's yours? <laughs> Not quite that cold in the south today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Charlotte. We've talked briefly about this podcast. Well, it's a really small conversation. Um, we had yeah. that funny crazy thing where you'd been talking about the Dedicate podcast and how there was no one had shared a story on IVF when living rurally and then I messaged you like that day or the day after or something and said would you like to be a guest yeah I know that was such a funny coincidence yeah, yeah. I was messaging a friend who's struggling and she had just said well she'd said that to me yeah that she had struggled to find a podcast with um, someone you know doing IVF from, from rural and um, it's hard yeah so tell us about it. Hamish and I, luckily, in a way, got married when I was reasonably young. I was only about 24. And we were both super, super keen to have kids. And it just didn't happen and didn't happen. And so we went to our GP. And luckily, she was really onto it. And immediately thought, um, probably polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, so we um, got diagnosed pretty quickly. And she referred us to um, a fertility specialist, which was called Repromed at the time, in Christchurch. So great to be really proactive and they were awesome. We had an amazing doctor up there, but he um, thought, oh, it won't take you long to get you sorted. Um, you're young and I don't think polycystic ovaries is necessarily like the hardest issue to try and get around with fertility. But yeah, it just didn't happen for us as easy as we would have liked. And it was definitely really tough. Um, I was working in Matata, which was about a 45 minute drive from home. Then I had to be quite upfront with my employers um, because I was having to take time off work to go visit the facility specialist in Christchurch, which was a big day trip. Um, mm. And I had to get lots of blood tests too. So I'd have to leave work early to catch the courier at the doctors in Kuria to get the blood tests. You know, it's um, all these little things when you're rural. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's for hard. those listening, how far do you live from Christchurch? So it takes us about three and a half hours here and that's just to get up there. So it's a good sort of seven hour round trip. And we were trying, we were doing it day, day trips mainly. Um, but then, yeah, there was times that we needed to stay. And so then it was either um, paying for motels or luckily Hamish's sister lived in Rangiora at the time. So we would often stay with her. But there were times that um, that was quite tough too because obviously I wasn't feeling very well. She had a large family. She had um, seven children at the time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, what do you mean at the time? She's, she's had nine since. Oh. She's got two more. Wow. Yeah. Which is really cool for us now because um, her last two are similar age to our two girls and their two girls too. So they're super close. Yeah, it was quite hard and she had her second to last child before about a year before we did so that was hard um 
and uh, but it was really fun like we got to go like if I stayed there sometimes I'd stay a week I'd get to do the school runs and go and watch the sport and you know all those things that I was wanting to do so it was nice to bond with them but um that times when it was just really hard too so we would mm. sometimes book book motels especially around egg retrieval and stuff I, it made me feel quite unwell and someone like me who hasn't been through IVF talk us through the whole process including you know how often you had to travel so for example your first child what was the process from first going to that fertility clinic right through to having her yeah so initially we were just on medication that I would take and it was quite well it was reasonably expensive that we would take monthly and it was just to help stimulate ovulation and um they just thought perhaps that would all I would need just so we kickstart. And then that didn't work. So we moved on to more of some of the drugs that you use for IVF. So you had to inject them and that was even more expensive. Um, and we did that. And it, it was really almost biting time too until we could get funded through the public health system. Because I, yeah, I found it really hard each month if I wasn't sort of actively trying I think when we had a failure every month, I got so disappointed. But then the only way I could get through it was to try and move on and get hope, my hopes up again for the next cycle. But yeah, so we did that and that was really expensive. And then we finally got our first public funded with IVF. So you have to inject yourself. You go up um, and see them and get all your drugs and you have to inject yourself. <clears throat> I can't even remember how many times at least once a day um and I remember doing it at weddings and funny things and for how long um, do you have to inject yourself uh I think it was about gosh a week 10 days maybe um and they keep in monitoring of your blood tests the whole time and that tells you how you're tracking and when you might be almost ready to go in for egg retrieval and um once yeah they think you're ready they'll you'll go on and you might have to go out for a, that's why sometimes I'd have to stay. You might have to go out for a scan and see um, how the eggs were coming along and whether they're ready for retrieval. So you can, might have stayed a day or two until they were ready. And then you go in and the egg retrieval <clears throat> isn't the most pleasant. Um, they drag you up a bit. And then I often felt a bit unwell afterwards. So that's when we would stay up. Um, one time I did come all the way back home. Just before we got home, I started vomiting and oh, that I'd been overstimulated and my my stomach swelled up and I couldn't stop vomiting and I was really unwell. So I ended up then back in Omaru Hospital um, getting treated for that, which was oh, awful. Awful. So, yeah, the first cycle, we um, had no embryos that carried on that were viable to put back in. So that was pretty disappointing. We didn't get many anyway. Um, the second one was when they overstimulated us and that didn't, I seem to be quite sensitive to the drug. So the first time I don't think they had given me quite enough and it didn't really quite work. Second time it was a bit too much. And then the third time, luckily, we um, we had two embryos that were viable and one was Lexi and the other one was frozen and that became Zoe like two oh, years wow. later. Wow. Yeah. So that was really cool. It's really weird to think of. And, yeah. And quite nice, um, I think, that they both um, were used and I haven't had any frozen sitting there that I've had to try and decide what to do with. I think that's quite a hard decision. And because of my pregnancies that were terrible, um, 
we had to make there we'd made the decision that we wouldn't have any more yeah sadly because yeah then I was no good at pregnancy as well as conceiving (laughs) so did you have any um, extra challenges with your pregnancy or did you just not enjoy it I I was really really sick through my pregnancies um vomited yeah every day really struggled to hold food down um lost weight it was um pretty hard so luckily um by then Hamish and I had decided that the farm could do with a a a wee a wee worker so I had left my job because that was quite hard taking so much time off so I was the the farm hand and that was great because it made it a bit more flexible and then our nephew started working for us as well so by the time I was yeah quite sick he was around mm-hmm. and so at 30 weeks so I had placenta previa with Lexi placenta was right across the bottom and at 30 weeks like Hamish and my nephew were up on the roof trying to clean out the chimney and I just stood up and I I had been warned that um, I might get some bleeding and they'd almost hospitalised me or moved me closer to Timaru Hospital to my in-laws. And then they're like, oh, no, you might be all right for a bit longer. And, of course, I was desperate to stay at home. Mm. And then, yeah, it just like was like a tap turning on. Hadn't expected that. So I went straight to the toilet and I just was stuck on the toilet with this gush of blood just pouring out of me. So I was trying to yell at Hamish who was on the roof and mm. he's like, can't hear me. Eventually, finally, he hears the word blood and like, I was like, oh, shoot. And so we um, made the decision that we would drive immediately, you know, rurally. Um, you don't know how long you're going to wait for an ambulance. Um, luckily, we did because I think we had to have one come from Timaru or Waimati that day. There was none closer. Got in, drove, contacted 111 and then contacted Timaru Hospital and spoke to my obstetrician. He then made the call that because I was only 30 weeks, that if the baby was delivered, it was going to be too prem for them to cope with and that I would be better in a bigger hospital. And so then a helicopter was called. And luckily a helicopter was flying to Ohau to pick up someone, poor someone with a broken leg. Oh, so I was say, it wasn't my son, but no, that was only um, last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> It's if someone got a bumpy ambulance ride out with a broken leg rather than a helicopter ride, sadly. Yeah. And we, oh, the 111 call system was frustrating. They'd asked us to stop at the next intersection, which was under several power lines, um, trees everywhere. There was nowhere for a helicopter to land. I obviously was in no state to climb a fence to try and get into some clear. And we we knew that generally the helicopters land on the Kuru rugby field and we would just meet them there but they were like adamant that we had to wait but luckily um yeah the pilot rang me directly so yeah he's like no just meet us there so we arrived just as this the helicopter was landing wow and in typical small town fashion before we even got to Dunedin we had several messages on our phone asking if we were right because people would see a car flying up to meet the helicopter yeah so that word spread pretty quickly and yeah, Hamish got to ride with me, so that was nice. And luckily, um, once we got to hospital, um, monitor on, baby was still, you know, there was still a heartbeat and and the bleeding stopped. So but yeah. then now I was stuck in Dunedin Hospital for the foreseeable for future on mm. bed rest and being monitored really closely. So that was really tough. I wasn't even allowed off the floor. I wasn't allowed to go out for fresh air. There's no windows open. So I found that really hard Whoa. just because they were so worried that if I had a bleed, they, they only had like 10 minutes to 
try and save the baby. Like, oh my goodness. So yeah, we held in for as long as we could and we got to 35 weeks and they decided that it was getting too risky and you know, she was getting a decent size then that they felt it was better to bring her out than than keep her in. So yeah, pretty special mm. that day. Yeah, I bet. But then, we had, then we had a baby in Niku, but but we were lucky. I mean, she was pretty healthy. She was only under the the lights for a day and had a wee bit of oxygen, but yeah. What a journey from <clears throat> you know, start to finish. So yeah, those yeah. Yeah, talk me through those five weeks in hospital not being able yeah. to get out. How was that? How did you get through each day? It was so hard. Um, yeah, Hamish was great. He was really good at popping in. Um, and my parents would come down on the weekends. But, yeah, it was really tedious. Um, it was, yeah, I found it suffocating. The hospitals are quite warm. The beds are sweaty. Like, it's, it was just, yeah, really and I really really miss miss being home and um yeah but it was the best place for us we did try to convince them to let us go back to Timaru when the baby got a bit bigger and we were almost there uh but we had another scan and they found that yeah it was even greater risk than they initially thought and they changed their minds but yeah Hamish's mum sadly was diagnosed with Alzheimer's during this period as well when we were in Dunedin so that was really upsetting it's a horrendous horrendous disease mm. so that was another reason why we really wanted to get back to Timber closer to them because mm. the family was all trying to come to terms with this but yeah best place for us and we had amazing amazing doctors down there and our doctor um was married to a farmer which actually made it quite helpful like Hamish was starting tailing when we ended up having Lexi and he didn't get down there till I think 9 30 the night before and the doctor came back in to to talk with him and go over what was going to happen the next day and so she was great yeah there's just you've got to have that different sort of understanding when it comes to rural people don't you when you're working in it in the medical profession because it's yeah, it made it, it's hard yeah. yeah yeah it definitely helped yeah it was so good and it was the same actually we had a really great nurse in the fertility clinic who who came from Korea so she would be really good at booking uh, appointments for later in the morning. So we had time to drive up nice. and then also time to drive home. And yeah. she understood how yeah how long it was going to take to get the blood test back because they had to be driven to Omoru mm-hmm. first. And yeah. So nice to have that understanding because I think a lot of people in, in the cities don't understand that when farmers have to get back to the farm, it's not like, it's a, not a choice thing. They have to. There's animals that will die if they don't get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this, t- you know, tailing could not be put off. You know, you mm. don't want the lambs getting any bigger. And mm. um, we had staff booked in. And <clears throat> but we, yeah, we were lucky. We had great staff. They did. Hamish did the first day, and and then the staff carried on and made themselves at home in a house. And God knows what went on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, staying on this IVF topic for just a wee bit longer, you know, are there any changes that need to be made for people living rurally with IVF or it just is what it is? You know, is there something more that can be done? Uh, Yeah, I think it would be great if perhaps um, there could be some funding for travel or accommodation um, because it is a huge expense. um, And, it's yeah, I know it's really hard as well, Get time off and 
And, you know, that's the other thing. We're not just taking an hour or two off to get to our appointments. We're having to take at least a day, yeah, if not, you know, or a week in some cases too, because you've got appointments dotted throughout the week mm. and you can't go home in between. So, And did you need great. Hamish for every single one? Like you needed him to drive home and things or did you go to a few yourself? Um, no, I went for a few myself and sometimes, yeah, especially in that week that I would stay, I would stay um, up there myself and just go in and out for the checks and then when it got to time to do the egg retrieval or put the embryo back in, yeah, he was always there for that because that was pretty tough and pretty pretty important. So, yeah, it was definitely, we were definitely flexible. So that was good that he didn't have to be. And I was so lucky to have his sister up in Rangiora, yeah. like, I mean, at times when it was tough, but it was so great to also have, keep my mind off um, what was happening and just be part of their family for the week. And they were so wonderful. So, yeah, nice. Lucky. Sounds like if you didn't have luck with IVF, you could have had one of your kids. She sounds like yeah. she's got a few spare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. She, sometimes she would have probably, some days not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine children. Wow. I take my hat off to her. That's incredible. Yeah, she's incredible. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that is just really cool. And obviously some of them are, you know, like some of them are and well, well in their twenties now. Mm. We we've got had some of them work for us. Um we've actually currently got one working for us. And they're all so great. And then we've also got the two that are similar age to yeah. our two and their best friends, which was really cool to have. So nice. Yeah. And and what was your job that you had while you were um doing the IVF? I worked for electrics up at Benmore Dam. I was just sort of in that office up there, um, which, yeah, was really interesting and was I really enjoyed it. But, yeah, it just got the travel and, yeah, the taking so much time off. It was really hard asking for that time off every time. Mm. And I really enjoyed the probably year or so I was the farm worker. I got hit with a couple of weeks dogs and... Yeah, Hamish and I managed to, you know, get on pretty well and and it was great to have that flexibility to be able to shoot away for appointments. Yeah, nice. Are you happy to just share a bit about what it's like to have a loved one with Alzheimer's and what the journey was there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Hamish would be okay with that. Uh, it. It was incredibly tough. We had noticed that Denise hadn't been herself for a wee while um but it took a while to get the diagnosis and it was I don't, and I don't even think we understood what we were facing but we were still so shocked when we did get that diagnosis um and it was a really long journey she was only 65 but she yeah went downhill reasonably fast and needed rest home care probably within four or five years I think before Lexi started school um, what were the symptoms um before you got the diagnosis yeah just a bit forgetful losing her confidence on things like the computer um she used to be quite capable of booking EFEs on the computer and things like that cooking you know she was getting a bit more doubtful about her cooking abilities and just things like we had rung um I had rung to say we were coming to stay while we'd got there when they'd already gone to bed and but I'd said to Denise we were going to travel to Christchurch together and I said, and I actually, I had a bleed and um, I, so I was going up for a check and we were going up to her uncle's cemetery and I said, oh, we actually better, we've got to shoot out for this appointment first, so we need to leave early. And she's like, no, no, that's fine. I'll tell Alec that. And 
But when we got up in the morning, she didn't remember the conversation at all. Um, and so that was quite weird. So we ended up just taking two vehicles. But yeah, just little things like that. But yeah, Hamish is super, super close to his mum. So really, really hard. And she was an amazing nana. So we sort of felt our girls missed out on that. I mean, she was great when they were little. And we, yeah, we never could ask her to look after them. And um, we just missed a lot. And yeah, and sadly, we finally lost her last year. But she'd been completely bedridden and, and hadn't communicated for a long time. So, gosh, how hard. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Mm. Yeah. And she's dearly missed still. But mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Sounds like quite a quick, quite quick from when you get the diagnosis to being um, bedridden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, certainly to being when she went into rest home care, um, it was probably four or five years. But yeah. And it was really tough on the family looking after her. Yeah, everyone did amazing, and then it just yeah got too hard, and then yeah, then she really needed a lot, lot of care, and she was yeah, obviously bedridden in the last I don't know, maybe two years, but she hadn't been able to communicate for longer than that either. So yeah, but we had some amazing care, Lister and Waimati and um, South Asia and Omaru were great. Um, yeah. Yeah, and COVID made it hard actually, um, especially for the grandkids. Um, they weren't allowed to see her for a long time mm. uh, because of COVID, especially the younger ones. They would only let older, all like Hamish and his siblings and, and his dad in. So the girls really struggled mm. with not being able to just go visit. They they enjoyed going to visit her. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Before we move into business, yeah. Is there anything else? I don't know, I guess challenges or things that have been a big part of your life that shape who you are today that we haven't covered? Well, Zoe's journey was no easier than Lexi's. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, I was getting really sick with Zoe, um, and spent a lot of time on the couch. Lexi was amazing. I just made a little shelf for her in the pantry so she could get her own snacks and um I ended up with um preeclampsia um with Zoe so um she was delivered only three weeks early um but she was delivered early um as emergency cesarean and I shook and um during the cesarean um started shaking shook for probably a day or two you what sorry I was shaking like fully shaking for a day or two and ended up in ICU for uh, I think three nights I spent in there um which is really hard when you've just had a baby because they're not really equipped for babies and they were bringing the baby to me to try and feed and I couldn't of course get out of bed and um my milk I was never very good with breastfeeding either so that um eventually we figured out that I didn't really have any milk there and and she was pretty unhappy baby for a start too but yeah well we got there yeah it's been a big process for you to have those two girls yeah yeah so they're very special yeah Mm. yeah but hence why two was done because (laughs) yeah I can see yeah see why they both both tried to kill me so (laughs) (laughs) 
love it. Can they themselves give tests when they are coming towards that stage of life to see if they're going to have similar challenges? Yeah, I think um, polycystic ovary syndrome can be, yeah, in the family. So that would be something that, that they'd want to watch out for and just be mindful of if they want to have children. What is polycystic ovaries again? So I have always had irregular periods. So then I don't ovulate regularly. And I never, never picked up because I just had bad acne with it as well. And so, of course, they just put you on the pill and then that just regulates everything falsely and I didn't really realise, yeah, what was going on. And when you look at my ovaries, they're just, there's so many cysts on them. But yeah, it's, it, it ha- I'm pretty lucky. There's lots of different people that have different symptoms for it. They can, it can cause you to be quite overweight and, and have really bad skin and things. But I, I mean, my main thing was probably, yeah, just the irregular periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and the struggling with fertility but not everyone struggles with fertility with polycystic ovaries either so yeah okay. yeah and does anyone else in your family have it no not that we know of my sister hasn't as far as I know but um yeah and mum never had any issues with but then there's never been tested she never had any issues conceiving but she's never been tested either so and you, you don't know what could have come down through your dad's line or anything. We just don't know where we no, you know, genetics don't. come from. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. All righty, the clip. Yeah. So I know, and you've got a beautiful clip going on. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I love it so much. It's just tailored beautifully. And what I'm loving, I'm really pleased with the decision to get the black one. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I'm still in love with the cream and I'm going to, it's on my wish list for maybe next year or the year after, but the black is just so versatile. I just, I wear it, I'm wearing it now with my tights. I wear it, I wear it, wore it in central Melbourne with boots and a nice skirt and a shirt. It's, yeah, literally this goes with everything. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, yeah, another friend's just got the black one too and she's finding the versatility of it too. And yeah. And she's amazed about how warm, even though I try to tell her how warm it is. <laughs> <laughs> so things yeah. you just don't quite believe it until you have it on. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So how did the idea come about? So we were um, getting pretty frustrated with wool prices and in the wool shed at sharing time and just, you know, our, we felt our wool was just so beautiful. Like, What can we do with it? Zoe had just started playing rugby, ripper rugby, and I was standing on the sideline looking at everyone's coats, thinking, oh, it would be great to to have a beautiful wool coat. And luckily, the wool we had worked out to be perfect. It was a bit of a fluke, the right length and everything. Oh. It's pretty strong. It's um, 31 micron, um, but it has worked out to be such a nice, warm fabric, and we just ticked away slowly at trying to work out how we could get it from our raw product into fabric and then get it made and it's all done here in New Zealand which we were really really keen to to do but wasn't an easy journey and it wasn't a quick journey but I think that's what what happens. Yeah so talk us through that the from that moment of being on the sideline and realizing it to actually that first day of launching the business. Yeah, so lots of Googling and trying to find out where I could, um, I could, obviously knew I could scare it in, in Timaru, which was handy, but then where, where to from there. So we managed to find um, 
wool yarns it's yeah someone that can spin it for us and we managed to find someone who could make it into fabric in New Zealand and um, then yeah it was quite hard to find someone that could make them but um, a friend had heard of Albion Clothing in Christchurch and went to visit them and they were really great and keen to support um, a New Zealand business and yeah, we finally got there and yeah, lots of delays. It takes a really long time to get through the process. Everyone um, is in every part of the way is really busy and there's a real long backlog. Um, so it's I was really hoping to launch it before winter, but um, it just wasn't quite ready. And then we needed to wait for the actual coats to be made before we could get the photos and the yeah. website made. So... But yeah, finally launching it um, last, I think, gosh, July um, was just so exciting. And how long was that time from on the rugby field to? Yeah, it was probably two years, I think. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it all your own wool? Yes, all our own wool. Um, My father-in-law, Alec, classes it. um, So we're really lucky that he comes over and helps us with that. And yeah, it just is all New Zealand made. And sadly, wool doesn't go very far. So it actually doesn't use much of our wool club because you can get a lot of wool coats out of a bale of bale of wool, which is amazing. You would have had to time it all in with shearing and knowing yeah. how much to keep aside or how does that work? Yeah, I just I just decided to keep three. Um, nice bales we just selected them for probably the finer side and the right length they had to be the right length that was the most important thing and just thought I'd keep three and see how we go and that was pretty lucky it made uh, that met their minimums just so like they were if I don't think if I'd only had two bales they would have been as keen so it worked out really well yeah and what have the biggest challenges been so far? Yeah, I definitely had to, a big steep learning curve with the social media side and putting myself out there and getting photos done. And um, I, I was not a great social media user at all. Had barely joined up to Instagram. So it's been really, yeah, it's hard to learn that. But I was also lucky that I've great a great website designer and she also helps me with my social media. So that yeah, I couldn't have done it without her. She's been amazing. Yeah. Was it did it feel like a big risk when you launched? Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely like a, a lot of a quite a large output. Um, so it's put a bit of stress on the farming business having that. And it's because it could take so long to get it through the system to then start beginning the rewards. But we were really confident in our product and you know just how amazing wool is and we kept everything natural like natural cotton lining natural buttons um and we just thought we had something a bit different and really excited just even just to get the word out there a bit more about wool and the benefits and how amazing it is Mm. if nothing else comes of it if we can make more people aware of the benefits of wool Mm-hmm. so that we can all hopefully start seeing some better returns slowly. Mm. And so it's going well? You're you're keeping on going? 
Yep, yep, it is going really well. I got a bit nervous when I had to decide whether I would do the new colours, and um, but really pleased we went ahead with them. Um, we it sort of slowed down, obviously, over summer, but then yeah, in autumn it picked up again, and it really yeah confirmed we had made the right decision. Because how many colours have you got now? Now I've got oh, I think I've got six. Yeah, so it's great to have the versatility colours now. Yeah. Mm. What colours are most popular? Black is the most popular, yeah. and and the blue from the original. Yeah, original, nice. Yeah, denim blue. That is still really popular. So I've done another run of them. So um, yeah, that's probably my favourite. But yeah, but black's definitely the one that's <laughs> most popular. Yeah, it's like I was saying, it's just so versatile. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a piece you'll have forever, and that goes with everything. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, what are your what are your goals for the business? Yeah, we are looking at which is in the process of making a men's coat as well, and really excited about that. And I, we just just want to take away and use some of our clip, get the word out there, and get our coats out there. Yeah. yeah. So, is it pretty much a full time thing for you? Not full full time, but it is quite busy at, at different times. Yeah. It's, it's it works great I, I think the timing of it was perfect so I was about to start school so um, I was getting freed up with a little bit more free time um, less traveling taking her to preschool and so now it's um it's so good to have it and it works in well that it supports the farm like it, it works with the farm it makes me take a bit more of an interest when we're selecting rams like, yeah yeah and I'm like, oh, yeah, but we've got to have good wool, not just good, <laughs> good meat, good feet. Yeah. And, yeah, I definitely partake in that um, decision a bit more than I would have. Um, I always just had faith in Hamish. Hamish always picked, he always, his family's always enjoyed wool anyway, so he's always selected his rams for wool anyway. But yeah. now we have to really think about, yeah. And what's so cool about it is, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, merino wool is well known. There's still work to be done, but it's well known for all the benefits and, you know, so many garments can be made from it. But wool that you have is often can cost farmers to share. Like you get less for your wool than what it costs to actually share. Yeah. Is that the type of wool that you have? Yeah, yep. So we have got the strong wool that we definitely are making a huge loss every time we share it. But, I mean, it just has to be done. Hopefully, yeah, it's predominantly used for carpet. Still some of our stronger, like ewe wool, is really just for carpets. But definitely our hogget and lamb wool has got a lot more versatility. Like, yeah, using it for fabric. And it's it's just, um, I think it's really made a great fabric for an overcoat. And to keep that weather, that nasty weather out on the sidelines at Netball Court, it has been so cold lately. Yes, it sure has. <laughs> we are loving it, yeah. So what about the design process? Yeah, that was hard. Um, I really wanted to try and make it something that um, would stand the test of time um, and would try and fit a range of people's body shape. I had a really amazing friend, Christy, who helped me with, she did fashion design at Polytech and she helped with the pattern making and we worked really well together and um it, but yeah it took that took a while too that was a bit of a delay too because 
I had I wanted to really make sure I got it right. Um, she is also a farmer, international netball umpire, uh, a mum, like had many hats. So she was squeezing it in between yeah. all her jobs as well. But I think it was worth the wait to just get it right. And yeah, and then now the, the men's design's a lot harder <laughs> because yeah. I think I had strong opinions on the women's from what I liked. I don't really know what a man is looking for mm-hmm. so much. But yeah, def- I mean, I asked lots of friends and family. Yeah. Got lots of opinions and done lots of research. But yeah, it was a bit harder. My husband's excited about the men's ones coming out. Yeah, hopefully. I know. Hopefully he enjoys it. Mm. We'll have to get him into one. Yeah. Have you made changes to the design along the way? No, I haven't. Not the not so far. No. It's been got it right the first time. I think, yeah. There's still the odd person that sends it back because it doesn't quite work for them. And that's just how it's just too, it's really impossible to fit everyone. But mm. um, even some of the ladies that have got broader shoulders have been really surprised at how it's fitted them. So that was awesome because yeah. I'm obviously reasonably small. So um, yeah, it was great to know that I could fit those ladies that have got broader shoulders. Mm. And yeah, I've got really broad shoulders and I'm probably, I'm gone sort of slightly small yeah, to make it perfect. Yeah. You know, like it's not yeah. too small, but yeah. it's, um, yeah, I could fit into the size above as well, but I yeah. am willing to, you know, be a bit snugger and have have it a bit yeah. smaller. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah, exactly. You can decide. It depends how many layers you want to layer under it. And, and I've definitely found that mine has relaxed if I grab accidentally grab one off the shelf that hasn't been worn before I'm like oh this one's tight like it's yeah. just they definitely do relax a bit too all right Charlotte have you got some advice for anyone going through IVF at the moment especially those living rurally just never don't give up hope it, it, is, it is such a roller coaster um ask that yeah Anyone who's been through it, I'm sure, would be happy to talk about it and give them support. It's really hard. People don't often know how to talk to anyone who's going through it with. If anyone's having a baby, they get, you know, it's awkward. But I think even from when we did it, the it's improved. Like I actually was at a doctor recently who was going through my history and saw some of my initial um, medication that they gave me, they said, oh, we, they don't do that anymore because they found that that doesn't actually work. <laughs> and so the improvements are, that they are making all the time. And if any is, yeah, keen to have babies, probably get checked out yeah, while you're younger in case there is, yeah, because obviously the younger you start, the easier it is. Um, and that was where I was lucky. I was only about 25, I think, when we first started, so... We did have that benefit of being a bit younger. How long did it take, Charlotte? It took three years. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, which when you were getting disappointed every month is pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time to be, because yeah. it overtakes your thoughts, doesn't it? When you're trying for a yeah. baby, it becomes very um, consuming. It does. And we, we had, all our friends were at the stage that they were having babies and, you know, and they were great. But and then they rang, and um, I loved it actually when they rang and told me rather than face to face because I could silently cry over the phone. Mm. Uh, so happy for them, but yeah, 
just so desperate as well but um now yep we caught up with them eventually and we've we've all got yeah. you know it's great community around here with lots of kids similar age and we're so lucky so it would really trigger you when friends were expected yeah um it it did like I was really happy but um I I did did struggle yeah mm. yeah and just desperately wish it was me yeah 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 did you have any other close friends who were struggling as well at the time um no there wasn't really anyone that we knew that was really struggling but yeah definitely lots of lots of friends I've known since a couple of friends recently so it's nice to to be able to be there for them and yeah just hope that that they will get there so what about advice for anyone wanting to start up a business from home like you have I think you just have to be really patient you just take it you just each step at one at a time and so I just would you know tick off one little small job each day and just it was a really slow process but I think it was great that I didn't hurry it because I did I felt like I got it pretty right by the end and that's the same with the men's coat this season I was hoping to have it out by winter but we got the first sample back and it just wasn't quite right so you know I just said look I'm happy to wait and make sure we get it right get another sample done and good on you because that's hard when you're really excited about something and you really want to launch something yeah 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 and we were lucky because we were going to get a sample made in Hamish's size we'd already had one sample in his size and we decided to scale it down and, and do it in another size and that was really lucky because the pattern didn't scale down quite well yeah we've had to adjust it and I think if we'd done it in Hamish's size it, we wouldn't have picked up on that so that was interesting lucky even yeah. though when the sample arrived we were off to Tikapo for the day and we're like oh you could have worn it if it was in your size <laughs> yeah. cool okay 10 questions now oh well okay unless there's anything else no, no, no. You've been a dedicated member, thank you, for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, uh, I have. Yeah. And actually that was um I had an amazing physio. I actually I think I went back to playing netball a little bit too quickly after babies, especially after being so sick mm-hmm. and injured myself and struggled to recover from the injury. And yeah, my amazing physio recommended. Oh, oh actually, so. and I won my first six weeks, maybe. Oh, did you? Cool. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. But she was really keen for me to join. Awesome. And that must have been before I actually met you, was it? Before we had yeah, that week was, of um, I wanted it. It was a Plunkett fundraiser, maybe, in the Kura School Gym. Oh, when I came along. Yes, I remember that. You came along. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. wicked. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favourite dedicate workout? Sculpt, I think. Yeah, I sculpt. do love a sculpt. Yeah. And what's your favourite way to exercise in general? Uh, generally, I actually love my Kate Ivy because I just think it's flexible, especially when the kids were young, I could do it and they could still be mucking around. And now in winter, when it's a miserable like day like today, like I do love a nice walk on a sunny day, but if it's not, I haven't really got an excuse about the weather, I can still get on DDK and, and do it. a workout. I'm not paying her, by the way, guys, she's just yeah, no, on her own. <laughs> Um, favorite place you've visited? Oh gosh, favorite place. Oh, I love Wanaka. I I I've been going there every year 
since I was a child every summer and I just yeah get so happy but also going to the lakes around here like nice. we we camp at the local lakes that is definitely a happy place champagne or cocktail cocktail yep definitely favorite sport netball yep love netball what position are you uh, I was sort of a mid-quarter, wing defence centre, wing attack, yeah. Nice. Favourite item of clothes or favourite outfit of clothing that you've got at the moment? I've got some wide leg jeans, which, um, yeah, I have actually been enjoying. They're really comfy compared to the old skinnies. They are so comfy compared to skinnies, aren't they? Because um, skinnies yeah. just, you just don't realise they're grabbing at you all day. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so comfy. And Hamish is loving it because that when I first met him that they were in and that was what I was wearing oh that's so cute favorite social media app yeah Instagram is definitely the yeah I can't see it ever ever fading I can't see a life without it can you no no I can't either no definitely not okay beauty product or some sort of product that you're using at the moment that you love I just a, a tinted moisturizer probably. It's just in this jewelry. Yeah. When I'm um, desperately wishing I had a bit more colour on my skin. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you there. And what are you up to this weekend? This weekend, uh, we have our last game of netball on Friday night for Lexi and Zoe. So excited for that. And then we have no plans for the weekend, which um is quite nice. Mm. It's sort of a busy time of year on the farm, you'll know, we're feeding out and Oh, these calves be born and stuff like that. So the kids have been enjoying getting out on the farm. So hopefully we can do a bit of that. Any podcast recommendations? Oh, God. Uh, I do. Um, what have I listened to lately? Oh, uh, right. I, I love listening to, I listen to all of Dom Harvey's ones in Between yep. Two Bears. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Some seriously good interviews, aren't there? There are. Yep. Yeah. Really good. Yep. Yep. Lots of really interesting yeah people out there and some of the people who wouldn't you wouldn't normally hear from otherwise in that medium so for example if you listen to the Jeremy Wells one it was one of the first ones with Dom Harvey yes yeah yeah so exactly. good. it was so good yeah just yeah, being so actually, honest yeah 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 you talking get, about smoking weed at high school and all sorts of things it's just really good yeah it was really good yeah it was yeah no, they've got some great ones between the two of those podcasts. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Charlotte. And yeah, thanks for sharing those challenges and your journey. It's really nice to get to know you on, you know, people and you today on that next level, because you don't, you know, you see someone with their family, right? And you have no idea yeah. what a challenge that they've had to just to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, I know. And even myself, you almost forget how hard it was and mm. how lucky you are. You just get wrapped up in day to day. And yeah, yeah, it is. It's quite a nice to reflect on and think, wow, we we went through some tough times, but so worth it and mm. so cool now. Yeah, and really cool to see um, see your business thriving and see you helping with the um, wool industry and making an important make strong wool an important part of the fashion industry. Yeah, hopefully. No, strong wool's got to make a comeback, surely. Yeah. Well, it will with your help, I think. Yeah. Cool. No, Thanks thank so you. much, Charlotte. Have an, have an awesome day. Hope Network goes well on 
Friday, I won't be there because I'm away in Hawke's Bay. I didn't realise how long the netball season went for. I know. It's been a really long last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely ready for it to finish. I just, I'm just, yeah, it's just cold and dark and, Mm. but the kids have loved it. So that's, every time I get down there, I love it. It's just getting yourself down there. And you guys have got such travel. Yeah, it is a big mission. I was talking to a friend about it today, about how we can make it better. Yeah, that's no, cool. It's it's really cool, and it's amazing to see the improvement. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Charlotte. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Kate. Have a great day too. See you, Charlotte. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to the Dedicate Podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, we would appreciate it so much if you could leave a rating and review. If this is your first Dedicate podcast, welcome. There's so many great episodes to catch up on. Everyone has a story. Dedicate is the online health and fitness community and app for rural and regional women, mums, and those that don't have time for the gym. Everybody is welcome. There is literally something for everyone. Get started with your seven-day free trial at kateivyfitness.com. See you there.